0: Welcome to Dark Adaptation, and thank you for joining me for Missing Murdered Mysterious. If you don't follow us on Instagram, then you likely missed the video that I posted where I discussed some updates related to our show. In the video, one of the updates that I mentioned was that Missing Murdered Mysterious is going to be a monthly segment going forward. It started as a weekly show, moved to being bi-weekly, and is now monthly. Sorry for the inconsistency, but sometimes it takes time to find your footing, especially when trying something new. But that being said, consider following us on Instagram so you don't miss future updates. Instagram is also where we post photos related to the cases and topics that we cover, including maps and key locations, so you can familiarize yourself with the area we're discussing. And it's a good place to get in touch if you have any case suggestions, comments or questions about the topics that we've covered. Our username is Dark Adaptation Podcast. Now, on with the show. As many of you know by now, Missing Murdered Mysterious is a segment I created to succinctly highlight unsolved cases of missing people, murders, and mysterious deaths with a focus on BIPOC in North America. As a refresher, BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. This month's case focuses on a missing woman from New Mexico. Her name is Pepita Madeline Redhair. And the family is still waiting for some answers. We've learned a Canadian woman is missing. Family says they have done all that was in their hands to find their loved one. I just want him to make it home to us. Pleading for help from the public to find their family member. Car was empty, the motor still running. The driver's side door was open. Pepita Redhair was born on August 4th, 1992 in Gallup, New Mexico. She's been described as happy, fun, friendly, energetic, and outgoing. She had a big smile. She loved to laugh and make jokes. She loved helping people cooking, drawing, and skateboarding, which she started doing at 10 years old. She was spontaneous and always had the best stories to share with those around her. While Pepita was born in Gallup, she grew up in Crown Point, New Mexico which is roughly 56 kilometers or 35 miles east of Gallup. Crown Point is part of Navajo Nation and is a small community where everyone knows each other. Pepita graduated from Crown Point High School and enrolled at Navajo Technical College where she completed two semesters. Because Crown Point is such a small community, There are limited career and job opportunities. So at some point in the early 2010s, Pepita moved roughly 150 kilometers or 94 miles southeast to Albuquerque, where she lived with her boyfriend, Nick Kay, at 1000 Clement Court Southwest, which is in the southwest part of the city near the edge of town. Maps are available on our Instagram so you can better visualize everything. In Albuquerque, Pepita began studying at the University of New Mexico with hopes of becoming a teacher or an engineer. When she wasn't attending classes or studying, she was working as a cashier at Hot Topic. By 2020, Pepita and Nick had been together for a few years, and in the beginning, at least, they seemed happy together. They were described as being affectionate, loving, always holding hands, laughing, and Pepita said positive things about Nick and their relationship. She even talked to her sister, Shelda about marriage and asked questions about Navajo customs. They didn't have any concrete plans. There wasn't a date or even a proposal that I'm aware of, but Pepita had certainly been thinking about the possibility of marrying Nick at one point. Pepita was close to her sister, Shelda and often confided in her and went to her for advice. In fact, Pepita was incredibly close with her entire family back in Crown Point, especially her mother, Anita King. Pepita returned to Crown Point often to be with her mom. She loved her mom dearly, loved spending time with her, and she still had a bedroom at her mother's home so that she could come and go whenever she wanted. When Pepita wasn't visiting her mom, she was in constant communication with her. She called all the time, and every morning, Anita would receive either a text or a Facebook message from her daughter. On March 24th, 2020, after Pepita had been at her mother's for a visit, Anita drove her from Crown Point back to Albuquerque. Before dropping her off at the home she shared with Nick, Anita and Pepita stopped for lunch at a McDonald's. Anita had no idea this was the last time she would see her daughter. March 25th and 26th seemed normal. Anita and Pepita exchanged their usual text messages. But on March 27th, all of Anita's text, phone calls, and Facebook messages went unanswered by Pepita. Anita couldn't get a hold of her daughter. Worried, as this was completely out of character, Anita and Shelda immediately took action to make contact with Pepita. On March 28th, Shelda drove to Albuquerque, to the house Pepita shared with Nick, to see her sister. The gate to the driveway was closed, so she couldn't enter the property. Instead, she stood at the gate, yelling to send her sister out so she could speak with her. There were cars in the driveway. She saw the curtains moving like people were looking out the windows, but she was being ignored. No one came out to speak with Shelda. With no contact established, Anita tried reporting her daughter missing, but to no avail. She was told by police that, quote, Pepita is 27 years old. She is free to travel, unquote. You might think these reactions are a bit overboard or hasty, but Shelda and Anita had a right to be immediately concerned. Recently, Pepita and Nick's relationship had been going downhill. There were reports of violence in the relationship, and records indicate police responded to domestic disturbance calls to the residents. One incident report stated in summary, quote, Nicholas K. and his girlfriend, Pepita Redhair, were involved in a verbal argument. Both parties denied any violence during the incident. Nicholas left the residence for the evening to avoid further incidents, While this argument didn't appear to have any physical violence, that wasn't the case recently. I mentioned that the last time Anita saw Pepita was when she drove her home to Albuquerque after visiting in Crown Point for a couple of days. The main reason she went to Crown Point this time was so she could take some space from Nick, who had assaulted her. Pepita had a swollen black eye and a fat lip from where he had beaten her. Before driving her home on March 24th, Anita had begged Pepita to stay in Crown Point with her, to leave Nick because she didn't deserve the abuse. Anita expressed that she was scared the abuse would escalate and questioned why Pepita would stay in an abusive relationship. But Pepita was loving and forgiving and sweet and hoped that his behavior would pass. Plus, she loved Nick, As we've sadly discussed many times on Missing, Murdered, Mysterious, abusive relationships are incredibly toxic and it's never easy to leave. I go in depth about abusive relationships and how difficult they are in our first episode of Missing, Murdered, Mysterious, case number one on Ada Elaine Brown. So please make sure you listen to that episode and all of the Missing, Murdered, Mysterious cases we cover. After three days of not hearing from Pepita, Anita texted Pepita on March 30th, saying, quote, Sweetie, please call me. Where are you? Anita was thrilled when she finally got a response. But those hopes were immediately dashed when she read the text message. The person who responded explained that he wasn't Pepita. He was some homeless guy who just bought the phone from some random guy. Horrified, Anita called Nick, hoping to get some answers. When she finally got a hold of him, He told her that Pepita had left three days earlier, on the 27th around 11 in the morning. He said he and his father had gone to a Circle K, and when they came back, she was gone. Every fiber of Anita's being had been telling her something was wrong, and now her worst fears were coming true. Her daughter was missing, and on top of that, she was without her cell phone, which was now in the hands of a total stranger, If you're hoping I'll have answers for who sold this guy the cell phone and how it left Pepita's possession, I'll spoil it for you now. I have no idea. In fact, no one seems to know. It's all part of this frustrating mystery. Anita went to the Albuquerque Police Department again to report Pepita missing. But again, she was told Pepita is allowed to be missing. She's a grown woman. She probably took off or ran away for a bit. They told the family to give it some time. She'll come back or reach out when she's ready. The family said this was ridiculous. Even if she was off somewhere, she was always in contact. She was always reachable. Now she's vanished, and her cell phone is literally in the hands of some random guy. They knew something was wrong, but no one was listening to them, and Albuquerque PD seemed to want to pass the buck instead. Since Pepita is originally from Crown Point Albuquerque, PD recommended the family call Navajo Nation Police Department to handle the disappearance. When they did this, they were told that since Pepita is missing from Albuquerque, it's out of their jurisdiction. Therefore, it fell back on Albuquerque PD. Darlene Gomez, who is an attorney and advocate for missing and murdered Indigenous women, speculates Albuquerque PD were reluctant to handle Pepita's disappearance because they didn't take it seriously. She says she believes that Albuquerque PD ran Pepita's name in their database and saw that she had a minor infraction from 2015 for public intoxication and trespassing. So they potentially assumed that she wasn't missing, but instead was out drinking and roaming the streets and would be back in touch when she wanted to be. Therefore, there was no reason to waste resources and take a missing persons report on an indigenous woman who was likely on a bender somewhere. Albuquerque PD has remained adamant that this wasn't the case at all. They've said they, quote, investigate all missing person cases with a high level of care and concern, unquote. And they weren't assuming anything or judging anyone. Realizing that they weren't going to get anywhere with law enforcement or be taken seriously, Pepita's family took matters into their own hands. They started a Facebook page called Where is Pepita Madeline Redhair? with the goal of spreading awareness and to, quote, put pressure on detectives. On this page, they asked people to be vigilant, to keep their eyes peeled for Pepita, and to, quote, make the call if they think they see her or have information that could help the family find her. The family used their own money to offer a reward for information that brings Pepita home. They made calls to her friends. They used their own money to print out flyers with her information on it, and hung them up and passed them out all over Albuquerque. They spent days walking the streets, spreading the word about Pepita's disappearance, and looking for any sign of her. On April 4th, 2020, the family, friends, and other volunteers searched the West Besa, which is near where Pepita and Nick lived, wondering if she was out there somewhere. For those unfamiliar like I was, the West Mesa is an elevated landmass to the west of Albuquerque. It stretches from the Pojerito Mesa, which is southwest of Albuquerque, north to Bernalillo, which is north of Albuquerque. I tried my best with those pronunciations. So everyone met up toward the south of the West Mesa, close to the house Nick and Pepita lived in. They split into smaller groups and headed north, looking for anything suspicious, any sign of Pepita. They grabbed sticks so they could poke through trash. But sadly, the search was fruitless. The family even called newspapers and local TV and radio stations for help spreading Pepita's story, but no one responded to their pleas for help. There was also a minimal response from the public. People hadn't seen her. Then, in May 2020, Two months since she disappeared, Anita received a tip from a woman who said she saw Pepita at City Park. Anita and Shelda Googled City Park and a bunch of locations came up for parks around Albuquerque. So they went to all of them and searched, but sadly they found no sign of Pepita. They Googled City Park again to make sure they had searched all of the parks they could, but this time they noticed that a hotel popped up named City Park thinking maybe the woman meant she saw Pepita at the hotel and not a literal park, they went to this place to check it out. They described this place as sketchy. They said when they pulled up, they saw men posted up in various locations around the building, watching their every move. When they tried to enter the hotel, the owner or whoever was managing this place was angry and was telling them to get out of there. The whole scene sounds so creepy, but it gets sketchier. As they drove around the parking lot looking around, they noticed people watching them through the windows. As they pulled around back, they saw a line of vans parked in a row and described them as being from all over the place. I assume this means the license plates were from various states or maybe even Mexico. New Mexico sits on the Mexican border, which makes it the prime location for criminal networks and organizations to engage in drug, weapon, and human trafficking. Albuquerque is 370 kilometers or 230 miles from the Mexican border, so it isn't super close, but Albuquerque is a hub of major U.S. interstates that run through the city, making it quick and easy to get in and out. Cities with access to major highways and interstates is a common theme when discussing areas with a high rate of human trafficking. I've talked about this before on Missing, Murdered, Mysterious, particularly in case number three where I discussed the disappearances of Yeshika Gupta and Rahel Hessen. New Mexico Attorney General Raul Torres says law enforcement has seen many instances of human trafficking, and they have identified locations and, quote, stash houses across New Mexico, including Albuquerque, where people have been held against their will to be trafficked for sex. Locations like this sketchy hotel that Anita and Shelda came upon could be used for various nefarious activities, including human trafficking, and they feared that Pepita might have been abducted and forced into sex work. While there's no definitive proof this is the fate Pepita met, it's a statistical fact that women of color are at a higher risk of trafficking. Again, listed to case number three of Missing Murdered Mysterious. Shelda even took a set of Pepita's clothes to a Navajo medicine man on June 30th, 2020, to find out where she could be, and he said Pepita was still on Earth, but she was in a dark room being held against her will, much like many victims of human trafficking are held. While the theories that Pepita was a runaway or had been trafficked were prevalent and sadly realistic, her family believes Nick is responsible for her disappearance, or at the very least knows what happened to her. You've probably noticed how his presence and any significant mention of him has been lacking throughout this episode, and that's because it was lacking in real life. Nick never expressed true concern for Pepita. He didn't ask questions. He didn't assist in searches. He did not communicate with the family, like return their calls or texts. And Anita and Sheldon say he was evasive and, quote, acted odd. An example of this odd behavior, in addition to the red flags I've already mentioned, is the fact that Nick didn't contact police about his missing live-in girlfriend until April 19th. So nearly a month after Pepita vanishes is when he filed a missing person report with the Albuquerque PD. In his report, he stated that they had been drinking on March 26th when they got into an argument. This led to Pepita leaving their house on foot, and this was the last time he saw her. He claims the next day, March 27th, he received a text from Pepita's phone saying she was with another guy, a dude named Laramie. Nick said he didn't think it was Pepita texting him because the verbiage used was different than normal. Nick said Pepita and him had arguments sometimes and it was normal for her to leave for a while and then come back on her own terms, which is why he hadn't reported her missing sooner. After learning of Nick's version of events, the family took to the Facebook page they created for Pepita, asking about this Laramie guy. Laramie saw the post and got in touch to clarify a few things. He told the family that the last time he saw Pepita was not on March 26th or 27th, as Nick had said, but it was actually a few weeks prior, on March 10th. March 10th was his birthday, and Pepita had bought him a cupcake and a card because she's a sweetie who loves and appreciates her friends. Well, Nick, as seemingly insecure as he is, got jealous. Laramie, who was about 10 years older than the couple, wanted nothing to do with a childlike drama, so he took some space from them. Laramie also contacted the Albuquerque PD to give these details and let them know that Nick was lying, and he had not seen Pepita since March 10th. I assume police have checked out the story and verified these details, since they say they thoroughly followed up on all of the leads and information. Plus, Laramie is not a person of interest or a suspect in Pepita's disappearance. In fact, it doesn't appear that there is any persons of interest or suspects. Not even Nick. Nick's version of events, by the way, have never been confirmed or substantiated in any way by law enforcement. Plus, there's noticeable differences in his stories. He told Anita that he and his dad went to Circle K, and when they returned, Pepita was gone. Yet he tells the police that he and Pepita got into a fight, and she left and never came back. He remains distant from police and Pepita's family, so who knows what the truth is. On August 4th, 2020, which would have been Pepita's 28th birthday, her family was in Albuquerque, posted up on the high traffic intersection of Central Ave and San Pedro Drive to hand out flyers and spread the word about Pepita. A couple of people stopped to talk to them and they said that they knew Nick and Pepita. One of these people even said that Nick was telling people that Pepita had died of an overdose. The family was astonished. They had never heard this before. And obviously they had questions. Mainly, where is she then? And why hasn't Nick come forward with this information? The answer is likely because as we know, Nick shows no interest in finding Pepita and remains evasive. Also, this overdose story is the statement of one person, so we have to take it with a grain of salt. Since Pepita's disappearance, there has been no sign of her. And no one has heard from her. To raise awareness for her missing sister, Shelda held a rally in Albuquerque on October 3rd, 2021. Pepita's family held another rally on June 4th, 2022. The family believes Pepita's boyfriend, Nick K., is responsible or involved in her disappearance. But as we know, he has not been named a person of interest, let alone a suspect. Anita says that her gut tells her that something happened in the house the couple lived in on Clement Court and she knows there are people out there that have information. The last time the family spoke with Nick was sometime in May, 2021, when Anita went to his house to gather Pepita's belongings, and he's been silent ever since. At the time of her disappearance, Pepita was described as a 27-year-old indigenous woman with brown hair and brown eyes. Today, she would be 31 years old. She stood at 5'1 and weighed 141 pounds. Pepita has two beauty marks on her chin and a scar on her left eyebrow. She has the following tattoos. A moon with lightning on her left leg, a butterfly on her shoulder, a dinosaur or dragon on her right arm, a koi fish or dinosaur on her left arm, and her last name, Red Hair, is on her body in an unknown location. There are many discrepancies when it comes to the exact images and locations of her tattoos, so this is the information I've been able to put together. Albuquerque detectives say they followed up on every lead and exhausted all efforts to attempt to locate Pepita, but to no avail. So her case was sent over to the New Mexico Attorney General's office. The investigation into her disappearance remains open, but is labeled as cold by the AGO. So, any and all tips are helpful and could lead investigators to the person or persons responsible for her disappearance. If you have any information about the disappearance of Pepita Madeline Redhair, who has been missing from Albuquerque, New Mexico since March 27, 2020, please contact the Albuquerque Police Department at 505 242 2677. The New Mexico Department of Public Safety Missing Persons Hotline at 800-457-3463. You can leave an anonymous tip at 505-843-STOP, or you can email the Attorney General's Office at mmiwr at nmag.gov. All of these phone numbers and the email address are available in the episode description. Pepita's family spends their time fighting, waiting, and praying, and they hold on to hope that new information will come forward that cracks this case open. They have no answers, no closure, and no peace. All they have is frustration and questions as to where their daughter, sister, auntie, and niece, Pepita Madeline Redhair, could be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Missing, Murdered, Mysterious. Please share this episode so we can continue spreading Pepita Redhair's story. And hopefully one day we can help bring answers to her loved ones. I call it the missing white woman syndrome. <laughs> if there's a missing white woman, we're gonna cover that every day. Kids stay on the news cycle for about a day, maybe, and then they fall off the news cycle. An epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Indigenous women face a murder rate six times the national average.